Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show on another Sunday afternoon. Sign guy along with the coach with the most coming at us from coast to coast. He doesn't mean to brag, but he has to boast. Coach Mike Jones, real, real fast before we jump into the interview today, some show notes. If you're looking for some wrestling today in Jeffersonville, Indiana, there is a big benefit show for promoter of Paul Cade and Midwest commentator Chad French. Uh, Chad suffered a pretty big stroke in the last few months. They're raising funds to help cover the cost of some of the medical bills, so get out there and support that at the arena if you're near Jeffersonville. Later today, you can catch myself at the brand-new weekly venue for Blue Collar Wrestling. It is at 7525 North Richmond Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Blue Collar debuting in its brand-new home today, so make sure you come out and support us as we start the new weekly venture. And without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest today. I've been very, very excited to have him on. Glad to have him. You might remember him from WCW, where he wrestled as M.I. Smooth, but he also had a very long stint as Ice Train. Ice Train, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here today. Oh, my pleasure. Let's chop it up. Let's talk. I'm ready when you're ready. Absolutely, and since today's the first time you're on our particular show, I'm going to give you the first-timer question. How did you come to be involved in the world of professional wrestling? In 1991, I was um, probably the strongest person in the world. I had a 700-pound bench, 1,000-pound squat, and um, I was working out in Indianapolis, Indiana, Pez Watley, um, and um, Arn Anderson had saw me, and um, Dusty Rose had thought I had a little charisma after our conversation, and um, that's how that's how I came into pro wrestling. I was going to actually play for the Cincinnati Bengals that year, but the the wrestling money was actually better than the football money. <laughs> Very interesting. Now you mentioned you were going to play for the Bengals. That is the team where famously Brian Pillman played his ball. Did you ever have conversations about the team with Brian Pillman, whether it be before you got discovered for wrestling or afterwards? You know, in college I was an All-American, and um, I'll be joining the NCAA Hall of Fame, I believe, in 2014. they actually tell you a little bit out. I was a really good college football player. and um, But weightlifting was always my passion. And, and weightlifting was my passion. 
football was my heart, but I I love weightlifting, and I was really good at it. And no, I when Brian Pillman and I, Brian Pillman and Stone Cold Steve Austin used to har- harass me in WCW. They would call me overpaid, underworked, and um and that was a compliment because they thought I should have been doing more with WCW, but I was young and um. You know, I, I was actually probably the first one out of that power plant, and I think I was. I was. I was the first true power plant person to be on um, WCW, and now they got a power plant Hall of Fame, and I, and it's pretty cool. But um, I was the first one out that power plant. Now, a lot of wrestlers that started out in the same time frame that you did, uh, they were coming through independent wrestling because there were very, very few territories left at that point. So independent had replaced the territory system. It usually took guys quite a while to make it to the point where they were ready for either WCW or at the time the WWF. Did you think that when you started out and you immediately get to WCW, were you aware of how lucky you really were to be with one of the major companies to start, or was it something that you didn't really grasp at the time? I'll break it down to you like this. When I started with WCW, as I look back, I wish I would have did independence because my first um, year with WCW, I wrestled with a torn ACL. I got the call on a Monday, and I was on TV on a Friday, and I had and I was working for about a year and a half with one knee, and um, I couldn't really do much because of the pain in the knee. But when the call came, I wasn't going to turn down the opportunity. And to answer your question, no, it's just it wasn't about being lucky. They brought more garbage in there than I than I was, and had less talent. and And I was a straight up athlete. And um, I believe Teddy Long did a podcast years ago. He said it wasn't like Ice Train didn't get over; they just didn't know what to do with it. And and there was no push behind Ice Train. He was there for ten years. Now the push came with Am I Smooth? It's because I was a little bit older, and I kind of knew who I was because. I had did the indie circuit. I had went to Germany. I had went to Japan. I went to Australia. I had went to Austria. I had traveled the world to learn my craft. And by the time I learned my craft, WCW was closing those doors. So, um, no, because you could have never paid me. Excuse my language. I don't want to be arrogant. But on the indie circuit, I think the guys get abused. I don't think they're treated right with their pay. I don't think a guy should ever get in the ring for $25 because it doesn't even fix his knee injury up or his injury if he – I think the guys on the independent circuit and the promoters have taken advantage of pro, of pro wrestling, especially nowadays. you got guys out here doing great matches, making $90 a night. I don't agree with that at all. Not if, you're, not if this is professional wrestling. Now, we're going to say it's indie – Amateur wrestling, sure, but no, I I like my journey with WCW because Jody Hamilton 
protected me. Paul Orndorff protected me. I had good I had good advisors around me. Um, Dwayne Bruce, Paz Watley. I had a I had a good team around me. So it taught me the business side of wrestling. I knew that better than the professional side of wrestling. I knew the business side. I knew how to get my contract. I knew how to get my money. And that's the side of pro wrestling that I like, the business side. A lot of fans that followed your career will know that you did a lot of tag team wrestling. Famously, you were part of Fire and Ice with Scott Norton, but early on when you first started, you teamed a lot with Charlie Norris, who was also a young wrestler in WCW. Did you have a preference when it came to tag team wrestling or singles wrestling? You know, at that time, it was a lot of heads in the kitchen, a lot of people um, pushing um, guys. Like Charlie Norris and me, we're, we're still cool. We talk all the time. Um, I remember when I was tagging with Ron Simmons, and that was going over really, really, really well. And I mean, brother, we must have stepped on some feet, me and Ron, because they broke that team up quicker than you can say, hello. It broke it up so fast. And WCW, if they didn't have a, a say in it, they didn't like it. And that all changed when Eric Bischoff came to the table. So Charlie Norris and me and Shockmaster, we did well. We did a Harlem Heat for a couple of weeks, and it was me and my tag with Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio. Um, um, and then it was Fire and Ice. But Two Cold Scorpio and Bagwell was re- really fun because that involved me with Teddy Long. That was that was pretty cool tag team. Now the tag team you had with Fire and Ice, that was around the time that WCW was starting to gain a lot of traction. They had brought in Hall and Nash. They had expanded Nitro. They were starting to become a much bigger promotion. When you were doing Fire and Ice with Scott Norton, did you get a sense that WCW was becoming a bigger company and you were becoming a little bit better known as a wrestler from how WCW was doing, or did you see yourself not quite where you wanted to be yet? I believe Fire Nice, as I told, as Eric Bischoff said, they dropped the belt by not put. They should have put them straps on Fire Nice quick. People love Fire Nice. And I don't think they understood how over Fire and Ice really were. I mean, because, I mean, people believe, man, Fire and Ice can really work with the Steiners. Because the Steiners were terrorizing tag teams, okay? And uh, Fire and Ice went out there, and we had great matches with the Steiners. was some of the best time of my, foot, um, of my wrestling career was hanging out with the Steiners, man. Those were good matches. And, um... At that time, I could tell you this, Norton was bought in, but at that time, I really wasn't bought in um, bought in with the um with the um with the tag team thing, but 
because they didn't advertise it and build it. They just threw us out there, and they should have built us up because we were two great athletes and we were very believable. How do you miss that pass? I definitely agree with that. You got over very well despite not really having a build to where you teamed up. Now, when uh, you were between WCW stints, kind of, uh, I know you did, like you said, go overseas to Germany and Australia and places like that. It's a very different style in, say, Europe compared to the United States. How did you adapt to the difference in the style of pro wrestling, not only in the ring, but to how the fans expected and liked the wrestling? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you about um, Germany. Over there, there are pros, pros. Tony St. Clair, Fit Finley, Robbie Brookside, Dave Taylor. Um, PN News was pretty good over there. Um, um, just, just to tell you, it was a lot of great people, and it was a real job. You worked seven days a week for Peter and Otto, and they treated you really good. And they, and they loved, man, it was just probably one of the best times of my life in um, football. I mean, in pro wrestling, excuse me. To be over in Germany, the style was different. It was more solid. It was more aggressive. It was more, um, it was just really, it was, Germany and Japan was cut out better for me in pro wrestling because I got to be myself. And the promoter over in, in Germany let me be myself. So Otto Voss and Eric Bischoff were two of the best men in my life to this day. Otto's dead, but Eric Bischoff was a great influence for me. He really helped me out in my pro wrestling career. Uh, late in your career, like you touched on earlier, uh, you were working at WCW when Vince Russo came in, and he changed the persona you were using over to MI Smooth. Vince Russo had to put it mildly a very different view of the wrestling business and how to present it than anyone else you'd worked for to that point. What did you think of the vision that Russo had not only for yourself but for the company as a whole? Well, let me, let me tell you. When MI Smooth first came out, it was all Eric Bischoff's idea. And it was just to, to be a a basically a overtone of a shit starter in the back of the locker room to get guys really going to to let me talk more because Eric saw the vision. If you watch all the early um, all the early Am I Smooth stuff, it was smooth saying, "Hey, you could do this." I was like the guy King promoter. Okay, when Eric fell out with WCW and began to buy Fuchsia. Vince Russo was like, hey, I like Smooth. I'm just going to have him jump, like I would jump Bagwell, throw Bagwell's mama in the back of my limo. Russo was pretty fun to work with because he's like, man, I don't need you wrestling. I need your personality on TV every night. 
I just like the way your personality works. And you're a natural, this smooth guy. And that's that was Russo's vision, vision for me to just allow me to freelance and be the limo driver and know all the scoops in the back of the locker room. Now, when Bischoff and Russo were both running WCW, for someone like yourself, if you had ideas or you had questions about what you were going to be doing, how accessible were they as far as being able to talk to them, have a meeting with them? Total business, man. If you had a, you know, Eric Bischoff and Russo, you can go to them and Open your you you had to say so. It was pretty cool. It was it was it was no problem working with um, Russo or, or Bischoff. You know most ideas Russo and Bischoff would give me. I was like, okay, I like it. Let's do it. And um, it was pretty. They were fun to work with. I have no problem with um, the relationship I had with Vince Russo, no matter how short it was. But it was pretty cool. Well. When WCW took off in the ratings and they were the dominant company, merchandise sales overall for professional wrestling just blew up. Everybody was wanting wrestling T-shirts and action figures and anything else they could get their hands on at that point. Was there very much ice train merchandise that was produced by WCW, or did you not have very much to choose from at the merchandise tables? You know, I had a whistle, and it did really good. But um, the merchandise part with the T-shirts, it, my merchandise sold more in Europe than it did in America. Now, was that like... WCW produced merchandise, or was that merchandise that you'd produce and taken with you for tours? It was no, it was WCW. I was just it was WCW produced merchandise, and it did great in Europe. Oh, very interesting. One of the other things that WCW was known for in that time frame, where uh, you were having a pretty big run was worldwide wrestling was taped over a few day periods to run for three to four months at a time. They would tape a lot of the television in just a few days, and they worked with Disney to have WCW as an attraction, so it was kind of a collaboration between the two entities. Did you like doing the worldwide tapings where you would wrestle – so much in such a short span and have that be the syndication television or did you prefer uh, having fewer matches that spread out over a longer period of time for taping the syndication? You know, I like the syndication because when I would get to Europe and wrestle, it would all be on TV and I would be in Europe and it would make me even more popular. Right, I could be in Germany in April watching myself on TV in my hotel room. That makes sense. And that allowed right. people to really watch my growth. Be like, man, you're way better than you were five months ago. 
because you would do like 12 matches in four days, and that would be on TV for about four months, and then you'll be a total different person when you're coming out there. Obviously, going to Europe and going to Australia and Japan are pretty long trips. Um, Wrestlers travel quite a lot just from the nature of the job. What would you say was the longest flight trip that you had to take and the longest car trip that you had to take for your career? The longest car? I like to drive. My first couple pay-per-views, I drove because I didn't feel like getting, and I, I would, I rather would have my plane ticket money in my pocket than just. I would have my car for a whole month. They would pay for, it, and I would drive to all my cities because I wanted to drive. I didn't. I wasn't a lover of the plane hopping on the plane. My longest plane ride was. Um, I believe it was Japan, and then the second longest would be um, Bremen, Germany. Uh, When you're traveling that far, did any of the other wrestlers kind of smarten you up to little tricks to be able to make that trip and be able to wrestle at your best, or is it something you had to figure out on your own once you made the trip? You know, um, Germany was different than Japan. Japan is more scripted. Germany, you were there for 60 straight to 90 straight days. So you got to learn as you watched the other guys work. I remember me and JBL was on our tours in Germany. We had a great time, man. Um, Bradshaw and um, Finley and you know it you become it becomes a brotherhood. So they're smarting you up, but you actually smarting yourself up because you get to learn. You're making all this money. You're walking around with this fanny pack fanny pack on your waistline, you know, and it's just basically pro wrestling. You're learning. I was a rookie. I think I was with WCW 13 years, and and half of the time I was in Europe on payroll because they would rather me go to Europe, and when they needed me, I would come home. So at that time, I was getting four or five different checks from four or five different companies with being on a salary for WCW because WCW did not want me to go to Vince. So whatever's going to make him not go to Vince pays money where he need, where he wants it at. Do I think I should have went to Vince? Yes, because um, I believe they could have did more with my character, especially me being so strong. I really think at that part, but WCW was steady. It was a real job, and I wasn't a guy who was going to walk around here and not get paid for 12 months. I was a businessman. I, I looked at, okay, this is how much money I'm going to make here. How much money will I make off my autograph pictures? This is how much money I'm gonna make off my weightlifting appearances. This is how much money I'm gonna make in Germany. So if I had three or four things going on at one time, I was happy. Now, a lot of times when wrestlers start to wind down the in-ring career, 
they will start thinking about getting into the promotional aspect. A lot of wrestlers will gravitate towards doing like you just said, trying to be businessmen and run their own companies. Was promoting wrestling something that you ever delved into or thought about, really? You know, the promotion part of the business, I liked, but I wanted to take care of my fellow wrestlers. I wanted guys to be able to come to a show and make a living, not go out here and work for me for 50 bucks and risk your injury and you walk away with a bad taste in your mouth. So the promotion side, I just thought was cutthroat and it was bully ball because the promotion never took care of the good guys, just the main eventer or the, um, or the second card to the main event. And if I was a promoter, I wanted to make sure all my guys, the greenest guy on the card to the veteran on the card would have got taken care of financially. I wish more promoters would think that way. Now, we have a game on the show we like to play. This would be perfect for you. We call it Word Association. I will give the names of some people that you most likely have worked with in your career, and just the first word or two that comes to your mind is the answer. Are you prepared for a game of Word Association? Let's do it. Come on. All right. First name? Kevin Sullivan. Awesome. Jim Powers. Funny. <laughs> Booker T. Brother. Teddy Long. Uncle. Tony Schiavone. Cool in the fan. Malaya Hosaka. Stiff. Jesse Ventura. Um, Godfather. Vader. Hero. La Parca. Love to work with. Last name, Missy Hyatt. Misunderstood. All right. At this point, my co-host, Coach Mike Jones, is with us. He has questions to ask as well, so I'm going to throw things over to him. Go ahead, hey, Coach. Brother. What's up, Mike Jones? Hey, brother. Thanks for coming on. I've been looking forward to this, and I really um, loved your career and all that you've done, and uh like like to know a little bit more. Uh, now, uh I've got my own group called the Real School Army, and we've got Kevin Sullivan as our mentor. And do you have any Kevin Sullivan stories? Oh, yeah, yeah, Kevin. Man, Kevin was one of the most smooth promoters. And he was, Kevin was a, a booker who wasn't a liar. That's why I like Kevin Sullivan. He didn't lie. Kevin was pretty straight up with you. That's why I like Kevin Sullivan to this day. Nice. Yeah, I talked to him earlier. I sent him a message, told him you're going to be on. He said he's going to try to call in. He's on the road, though. But hopefully he gets a chance to call in to say hi. Yeah, and Kevin then, uh, was can pretty you, cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your Japan uh, trips? Um, the, twi- the couple times I went over there, it was fun. Um, not as brutal as I thought it was going to be. 
I because I guess I was stiff too. And uh, Japan was fun. Japan was fun. I loved the water. Um, the people were nice. The promotion were good. But I could have went to Japan more. But I I just I like the European lifestyle better because I I didn't have to travel as much when I was in Germany. I would be in Hanover for 30 days, pack my bags, go to the next city, and be there for 30 days. And, and a lot of auto, auto vaunts groomed a lot of great American wrestlers, and that's why I like going to Europe. Nice. Okay, so so what some of your most memorable matches? Oh, me and JVL for the um, cup. Um, Johnny had just signed with WWE. And I was going back to WCW. We did a five-round match. Um, I went over, and um, Otto looked me in the eye. He said, there's nothing more you could do over here. Um, you can't – Otto was pretty straightforward with me. He said, you, He said they got to either want to push you or they don't. He said, because I've never watched a guy stay in a company for six years and keep himself relevant like you did. And – and I thought that was a compliment, but Otto was um, Otto was a great developer of men over 300 pounds, and that's why I like Otto. He really gave me my opportunity. Nice. And then how about uh, who were some of the toughest wrestlers you wrestled? Toughest, Ming, but it was like wrestling with my big brother. Ming was fun. Finley was fun. Uh, Ron Simmons, it was funny. It took me years. I remember me and Ron had did the Clash of the Champions, and I didn't know what a concussion was, but I hit my head on the back of the mat when he suplexed me in. I don't even remember the match to this day. I just saw it, and I, I don't. And we, I wrestled with him. I was knocked out for a full eight minutes, but we kept going. That's hilarious. But I had a real hit my head on the mat, suplexed me in, after that, he was like, come on, get the spot. I couldn't remember the spot. He just carried me the whole night. And um, it was kind of funny, but Ron was tough. Um, JBL was tough. And um, Regal was cool. Dave Taylor. You know, ain't too many. Honestly, that's not too many soft guys in professional wrestling. Until you get to the top. You get to the top, it's about the money, the career, and don't hurt me. But when you're in that middle of the car, they lay it in, brother. They they bring they bring it to you. Nice. And speaking of uh, suplexes, my, my, I see my, your... my, 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 my favorite opponent I ever wrestled, though. Doesn't matter, you know, life happens. But I think I have my my favorite opponent I like was Chris Benoit. And I know it's All a right. tragic story, but man, working with Chris Benoit was like. Man, dude could work. Man, the dude was just a genius in the ring. He really was. Go ahead. Yeah, I, lo- I loved your matches. Yeah. And then I like speaking Chris. of su- speaking of suplexes, I seen your match on Saturday uh, Saturday morning main event against Scott Norton. That match seemed like it was really hard hitting, almost like a shoot. And then he gave you the most awkward suplex. He put you in a suplex and basically dropped you from a stand-up. And I was like, uh-oh. And then I was like, dang, thank God you didn't get killed. Do you remember that? I'll be honest. 
Norton always took care of me. It might have looked like it hurt, but Norton took care of my body, and I took care of his body. Right. It, 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 it might have looked, but I've never, I've never got hurt in the wrestling ring, ever. That's Norton great. Took, nice. Norton, Norton took good care of my body. He was a pro's pro. He never stiffed me. It might have looked stiff. Um, no, no. I'll tell you the funniest person was my brother, DDP. He the only person tried to stiff me, and I looked at him one day and said, are, are you trying to stiff me? That was it. <laughs> it was Diamond Dallas Page. And maybe Michael Hayes, when he was mad, when he when I was a rookie, and he had to put me over at a, at a bar. We were at a bar, and it was like my first match. It was against Michael Hayes. And he had to do the one, two, three at me. And I think he tried to stiff me. And I said, did you try to stiff me? He just looked at me like, oh, my God, this guy is so bad. And that that was it. It was Michael Hayes and DDP. Norton, no Steiners, no Norton, no Ming. It was those two guys. And I basically. All right. And then uh, what about what, what was one of your most hated wrestlers to wrestle? Maybe not as a suit, as a work. It would be regal because I could never understand him. <laughs> okay, yeah. Regal right. would be hard, but he always took care of me. But one day I had just finished a workout. It was a TV title match with a draw. Now I had went and done like 315 for three sets of 25 on the bench press, and I was really sore. I had did a lot of squats. So I thought I had an easy day, you know. So the next morning, I woke up really sore. And, man, they gave me a 15-minute time limit match. Boy, that was the worst match in my life. Oh, my God. I couldn't move. I was just sore from the weight training because I thought I was just going to have a little easy night. And um, and Dusty Rose was like, hey, we want to do a draw with you and Regal. I could barely walk from the squats. And my chest was so sore. And if you've ever been sore wrestling in the rain, man, it's just not good. The selactic acid <laughs> will wear you out. Okay. And then what What about uh, – what was your record for repping uh, benching 225 uh, in a row? Um, I, matter of fact, when I was 50, I did like 55 reps. Um, when I was yeah. younger, probably 70. Okay, nice. You you can go to you can go to my Instagram. I got a video up there of me at fifty doing I like fifty one reps. Yeah, it's, it's fifty one years old. That was five years ago, and I still can do yeah, like just, 50, 50 or sixty I just, now. I uh, started following you yesterday, and I sent you a friend request on Facebook too. And I think I hit you back, didn't I? Uh, yep, I, I'm I, not I, sure. I, I got you, Coach. I've I, I, I filled out your – I accepted your request today. I sure did. All right. Nice. Thank you. All right. And then yeah. – uh, so uh, after that, uh, I guess I'm pretty good for right now. Uh, so I wanted to plug my stuff first before I give you back to Sign Guy. we we got a pretty good amount of time left. Uh, so, yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube – at Coach Mike Jones, and also you can check me out at the Real School Army and NGW Green Room. And I wanted to plug the uh, Real School Army coming up. We got 
UFC Hall of Famer uh, Stefan Bonner coming up February 6th on Turnbuckle. And then we got J.D. Burns and his wife fighting in bare-knuckle fighting in Florida on March 12th. Hey, thanks again, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it, Coach. All right. Thank you very much, Coach. Well, Ice Train, one of the things about wrestling that everybody understands is if you're in it for long enough, you're going to see injuries. Uh, You talked about being hurt your first year and a half in. I know there were some scary incidents in your career uh, time frame with WCW. What was the scariest injury that you ever saw someone else receive? When Vader dropped, um, when Vader paralyzed that kid, that was that was great. When Vader broke that guy's neck in the ring, and I, as much as I love Vader, um, that was that was that was not a good look, you know. And um, Vader would have moments where he wouldn't take care of a guy's body, but you know, Leon, Leon had to respect you. You know, and if he respects you, it was good. If he didn't, you know, but that was the only bad thing I ever saw when later Vader just broke that guy's neck in the ring. That was a scary incident for sure. Now, at WCW, I presume other major promotions at that same time frame, if you were a contracted wrestler. If you were injured, they would usually pay for the medical bills. They would pay your base salary uh, while you were out. So you weren't out money like you were, say, 10, 15 years prior to that era where if you didn't wrestle, then you didn't get any money at all coming into your income. I, I'll tell you when I did my first negotiation with Eric Bischoff. Eric Dallas had invited me to his Christmas party, and he said, "Told Eric, hey man, I need you to look at this kid. This kid is totally different than a wrestler, and if we use him right, he can really get over." And um, I came to Eric's office and I signed my first contract. And I went in there. He asked me what I think I was wrong. He showed me a contract. I said, basically, I can make that money being a school teacher. That's not going to cut it, buddy. That's not professional money. And then after that, Eric signed me to, I believe, as a rookie, I was making over 125 plus whatever bonuses I had. And and um, that was my rookie contract, 125 for. And I think I rode that contract for about one year. Then it went up every year, every year. For 10 years, I had a long run with WCW, and, and I and I tell people all the time I appreciate Eric Bischoff believing in me. It didn't turn out like I wanted it to, and it was about to. If Eric would have took the company Fuchsia, I believed I was going to really, really get my break because I was mature enough at that time to really understand the world of professional wrestling, and I was ready for whatever Eric or Jimmy Hart at the time were going to run Fuchsia to do. I talked 
about several of the people already, but WCW had so many brilliant minds that helped run it. You had people like Dusty Rhodes and Jody Hamilton and Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart, Eric Bischoff. Who would you say might be someone that was really brilliant and really helped with the creative end of the company that may not get the credit that they are really due? I'll be honest with you. Um, Paul Orndorff was a genius. Mike Graham was a genius. Um, Paz Watley was smart because they developed so much young talent coming out of that power plant. Michael Hara, Gendrag, Chuck Palumbo, um, Alan Funk, Elix Skipper. That was all development of um, Paz Watley, uh, Mike Graham, and Paul Orndorff. Uh, Paul Orndorff had a pretty major run in WCW as well. Um, I know he not only was in the creative, but he also wrestled a few different stints. Did you get the chance to wrestle against Paul Orndorff in matches, or was it strictly a creative and talent type of relationship for the two of you? Oh, creative and talent. Paul was... um... Paul was adamant about them giving me a bigger push. And at that time, they just didn't want to. Paul was like, come on, this kid can jump through the roof, da-da-da-da-da. And Paul was about having real athletes on TV. Paul didn't believe in just a bodybuilder turning into a pro wrestler. Paul Orndorff was a mind, and he was a man's man. And that's why I like Paul. Paul, God rest his soul, but, man, Paul was a straight shooter and easy to work with. Uh, you also uh, worked with Teddy Long as your manager for a while. Did you enjoy having a manager, or did you prefer being out on your own? Teddy was a great company man, and Teddy um, had a lot of good advice for young wrestlers. And Teddy was... Um, Teddy was fun, and I believe as as a person, I could have did more with Teddy. Um, Teddy treated me good. I wasn't always fair to Teddy, though, you know, but Teddy treated me really good, and he gave me good advice. But at that time in my life, I wasn't wasn't as nice to Teddy as Teddy was to me. But I, I love working with Teddy. I just thought, I deserved more out of WCW because I had a great background and I thought I had a lot of charisma. And um, and Teddy would tell me, hey, take your time, it's going to come. And I'd be like, no, Teddy, I'm taking my time. I'm just winning matches and I'm not getting a push. Teddy was good for me, and um, I appreciate Teddy to this day. Teddy and me still talk often, though. Teddy was cool. Now, did you think at the time that the guys that were managed by Teddy Long should have been pushed a little bit harder, maybe featured a little bit more? He had yourself, he had Jim Powers, he had Bobby Walker, he had guys like that that seemed to have a lot of potential, but 
they seem to kind of be stuck on the lower end of the card, even with Teddy Long, who was more of a prominent manager at the time. Well, I'll tell anybody, I have the highest percentage winning record ever with anybody with Teddy Long. I think I lost out of two hundred out of a hundred matches. I might have lost three. So with my run with Teddy, I didn't do much losing at all, and I lost to Goldberg. I think that was it. Yeah, Goldberg. That was it. I, but Teddy Long managed me. I had a great winning record. So I don't know about the other guys. I think Bobby had a decent record, and Jim Powers for what he brought to the table. I thought his record was decent because you got to remember. They were building us up for the 2000s. There never was a 2000. All right. You see, well, you see, you see what I'm saying. They were building all Teddy's guys, and um, for the 2000 run, and there was no 2000 at all. So that is it true. never really got your push. Well, Coach Mike has a couple more questions for you, so I'm going to hand things back over to Coach for a minute. Okay, go right so, in. Hey, so, hey, who are some of your favorite guys to train with? Oh, I remember. I, I remember. I'll tell you a story about me and Bill Goldberg. We were in Orlando. We went and worked out. I'll be honest with you. Nobody can train with me in the gym. Nobody. That's that's a that's the most honest shoot that I can give you. Nobody and nobody could. They can come to the gym, but they they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't train with me in no weights. No, it, it would be fun. I would train them, but they they couldn't train with me. I don't care if they look like they could lift. I was just very unique. Like as big as I was, I can do a hundred straight. I mean, I was a weight room warrior. I love my weights, and I've been lifting them since I was thirteen. Go! I worked out with Goldberg. I worked out with Bobby Walker. Um, I remember one time I was Rick Flair. I love Rick. Rick was like, come over to my gym in North Carolina. And it was me and Shockmaster in the gym. And I think I took off 500 pounds and, and repped it like, I don't know, 16 times. Yeah. 16 times. Damn. Yeah. And Damn. I mean, when I say repped them, I paused them. One, two, three, press. One, two, three, press. I, I love to uh, work out. But I'll tell you who I used to love to watch the workout, though. Rick Rude. I love to watch um, Vader work out. Um, Vader made it feel good to be a big dude. Because you couldn't tell Vader he wasn't the sexiest guy in the world, man. Vader thought you couldn't have told Vader, you couldn't have told Vader he wasn't the sexiest man in the world, but I'm telling you. All right. I and love, then what about? I love to watch the Steiners work out. The Harlem Heat workout. They worked out hard. They all we all had our unique workouts. No wrestler's workout is the same. So what about training in the ring? I'm sure you got to train in the ring with uh, DDP a lot. Yeah, no, no, actually only a couple times at the power plant. But DDP, you know, man, I tell you, for him to walk in that ring at 35 years old, he brought his bucket of lunch every day. It wouldn't turn down any guy's challenge. He would get in there. He would put that work in, man. I'm telling you, the dude brought his food to work, and he worked all day long. He really did. He worked yeah, all now, day long. 
it was nice that we got to see him win the title here in Tacoma at the Tacoma Dome, so that was pretty special. Yeah, we just ate, matter of fact, me and Dallas just ate dinner, I believe, Monday night. Or, no, Tuesday we ate dinner because the football game was Monday. Him and Jake the Snake are doing great on their podcast, man. They're having a good run with their podcast. And I believe him and Russo and Chris Fire Featherstone is on the podcast. Yeah. You know, Dallas loves wrestling, man. What a spoke. DDP is a good spokesman for pro wrestling. He's a good story of telling the guy, hey, it's never too late. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, then, hey, how did you hurt your ACL when you first started? On a kick. On a kick. at The last move of wrestling school that day, Jody Hamilton was teaching me how to do a kick, and I just blew that sucker out. <laughs> oh, shit. And okay. Then, and, then four, and then four days later, they called me in to start wrestling. I was like, well, suck it up, and let's, you couldn't turn them down. You know, I had to Damn. go to work the next day, so I tell guys all the time. Yeah, you did a great job. Shit, that's impressive. Yep, I tell guys about, all the time. You got to suck it up. You get that call. I don't care if you show If you can walk, you can wrestle. <laughs> so you got any backstage uh, fight stories you could tell us? Uh, you know what? Let me see. Oh, backstage. Oh, my goodness. Those, yeah, that's funny. I, uh, Booker T and the Giant used to wrestle all the time. Oh, my God. And um, they they would really get it on. And Booker T wouldn't back down from the Giant to save his life. Um, Damn. I mean, really, and, and Booker T would get Paul, he would get Paul the business, Okay. I'm telling you, didn't matter how big he was. Um, oh, let's see, the Vader and Orndorff story. You know that's a classic, man. Yeah. It's just all I can say is a classic. No, no yeah. winner, no loser, just a classic. Yeah, and then I'm sure uh, Booker T had helped him uh, going against his big brother. That helped him a little bit against Show, I imagine. No, Stevie Ray wouldn't get involved. They would just be back no, I'm, there. I'm just saying. I know. I'm just saying. Throughout the years, when he had to, when he was uh, messing around with his big brother, you know that helped him. I'm sure. You know, put it like this: they had their own relationship. Booker T had his group of friends. Stevie Ray had his group of friends, and when they got to wrestle, it was one accord. I'll, I'll tell you this: right. I love Bar- I love Barbarian and me. They were always fun. Nice. And then uh, I'm sh- one of our uh, standard questions we like to ask, and I'm sure Sidon would like to know, what was your favorite coffee? My my favorite what? Coffee. Say that one more time, Coach. Coffee. Coffee? Coffee, yes. Oh, a grande flat white with three splendor. Okay, nice. All right, well, yes, thanks again. And, uh, grande, grande flat white with three splinters. That is my favorite coffee. All righty, well, thanks again. I'm sure Sign might have some more. Yep. Well, um, thanks, Coach. Well, we got a few minutes left, but I want to make sure there's ample time for you, Ice Train. If there's anything you want to say to the listeners, plug and promote 
anything and everything, social medias, merchandise, any upcoming appearances, your favorite barbecue restaurant, anything you like, floor is all yours. Uh, I'll tell you, I will, um, I'll be getting ready, start training uh, a couple weeks for the world's strongest arms. They can follow me on my Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Ice Train. They can follow me on that. I'll be doing some workouts, how to achieve strong biceps. Um, my goal is to curl 235 pounds in the next four months um, at 56 years old. And they can peep me out on ice on um, Instagram, and I'll be working with my son, Michael Hogue, who's getting, Michael's getting ready to um, either go out for the Olympics or crash or break a lot of world records. He's a great athlete. My son is one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life. He's a runner. But, man, he really gets it done in the running in the world of fitness. And that's it, man. And, and I'll be working with um, Chica's Trunk Show, and we'll be doing some fashion stuff. But those are the only things I got going on. That's it. My, that's what I do. I do some curls and work out, and, and, man, I just enjoy life. That's it. So how do people get a hold of you? Um, for promotions, if they want some autograph sessions, stuff like that, they just hit me on my Instagram or my Facebook, Harold Hogue. All right. Well, I train it has been an absolute pleasure having you on Turnbuckle Terminal today. We definitely appreciate it. I always loved your work. It was such a great time having you here. Hopefully, we'll get the chance to do it again. And best of luck in that. World's strongest arms. Yes, it's going. Um, yes, it's it's pretty cool, man. I'll I actually be on my Instagram plugging the contest in about the next couple of weeks. But yes, it's pretty cool out there battling with them young guys. And you and you like, man, I'm 30 years old, and you boy, if they would have been doing this when I was doing it, I would have really wore you out. So it was all about the bench press and the squat back then. But now. I love to do my arms. I love them. See how strong your arms are. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why you were in the Jesse Ventura Strongest Arms Invitational Arm Wrestling Tournament, I bet. Man, I'm still mad at them having me. Oh, boy, I don't even want to talk about that. I wanted to do a shoot. They didn't want to do a shoot. I was like, bring it on. Let's go. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, once again, thank you so much for being on today. We appreciate it greatly. And we look forward to following the progress and the strongest arms. Appreciate it. Ice Train Instagram. That's my Instagram. Anybody want to hit me up, uh, follow me. Just do it. I'm there all day long. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. Well, fans, definitely jump on the YouTube if you're not familiar with Ice Train, and you definitely should be by now. Look him up on the YouTube. He was a fantastic performer. We will be back with you next week. Next Friday, we have Tim Simmons from Blue Collar. He does a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, runs the merchandise table. He sometimes does the music. He does a lot of the little things needed at a show. And one week from this very day, we have Al Isaacs, who a lot of wrestling fans of the late 90s and early 2000s will remember from ScoopsWrestling.com. He was the webmaster there when that was a massively popular website so make sure you have plans to be with us don't forget you can find me at 
Blue Collar Wrestling in our brand new weekly venue there in Portland, Oregon today. And if you're anywhere near Jeffersonville, get out there to the arena. Support that show for raising funds to help out Chad French. Great promoter, great commentator, so help him out if you can. Everybody stay safe out there, and we will talk to you soon. No!